Baptist Church, Charlotte. We're going to go ahead and get started. I have a nice word for you tonight. I believe that the Lord, you know, sometimes you think you know what you want to talk about or teach about. And at the very last minute, the Lord will switch it on you. I don't know about you, but if it's happened to me a couple of times. So um, last week when I preached at C3, the similar thing happened. So y'all pray for me. that The Lord won't switch it up on me in the middle of my teaching here tonight. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Um, thank you for joining our midweek Bible study. I hope everyone is having a great week so far. Um, I'd like to thank Pastor Nate for allowing me this opportunity to speak with you again tonight. He is still out of town. I'm not sure if he's in Louisiana with his in-laws or, or not, but we want to pray for him that the Lord will cover him and keep him, uh, under his wings. It's such a, such a great blessing to have, uh, such an awesome pastor as Nathan Elms, um, and his wife, of course, Sister Charla. Um, I'm giving honor to the Lord tonight for his preservation, for his, his wonderful gift of life for me and my wife. Um, we, we celebrate 30 years of marriage here in a little bit. Um, and me, I just celebrated my 60th birthday. So thank God for that. Um, let's pray God's blessing on his word tonight. Father, we thank you. We are humbled because of you and your presence. The writer of the book of Lamentations tells us it is because of your word that we are not consumed. We thank you for being there for us. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness towards us, O oh God. We believe that you are saving us for yourself, and we thank you for that. Bless everyone that is on this call tonight. I pray for those that are on their way I also pray, God, that you will grant unto us ears that we might hear something specific for our needs. You did, you did say that you will supply our needs according to your riches and glory. And we want to thank you in advance for that. As we say thank you, bless our pastor, oh God, and his traveling. Bless his, his parents that are that are not in the best of health. And Charles' parents that had an accident not very long ago. Bless them as well and protect them and bring them through their troubles, we pray. We ask these mercies in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. So tonight, I'm, I'm taking my text once again from Isaiah 9. Isaiah chapter number 9. Now, if you remember, uh, well, if you're part of my small group, you may remember that I, I, I did some teaching. I did a whole series on this um, last summer. Um, but I wanna I wanna I wanna hit it again because I think there's some some more nuggets in Isaiah chapter number nine. I'm reading from uh verse two, verse verse two through six. The Bible says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them this light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, you have broken it on the day as in the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult 
and every garment rolled in, in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And, and so into this situation, Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born. Verse 6, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so I'm going to take my subject from that last phrase, Mighty God. And my subject tonight is what a mighty God we serve. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. It, it, it is apparent to me, and of course, this particular prophecy of Isaiah in this portion of scripture, Isaiah is focused like a laser on the foretelling of the coming Messiah. Jesus, who's referred to in the Old Testament writings as the anointed one, the Christ. Isaiah was not the only prophet of the Old Testament that envisioned and told of the coming anointed one, the one who would deliver. Other prophets and writers in the Old Testament wrote about him. Genesis 49, 10 tells us about him. And again, Moses wrote in Numbers 24, 17 about him. We see also in Isaiah chapters number 7 and also chapter number 9, prophecies of him, as well as Isaiah 42, verse 1 through 4. We have, we have a minor prophet, Micah, who talked about this coming savior, this deliverer, this champion, this king that would come and deliver his people. And of course, we have many references in, in, in the Psalms, many references to Messiah, we see Psalms chapter number 2, verse 7 through 9. Psalm 60 uh, told us of a coming king and that he would be mighty. He would be mighty and he would subdue all the enemies of God, all the enemies of God. But here in Isaiah chapter number 9, the language is less than, less than clear, less than crystal clear anyway. But we know that the Bible always talks about Jesus one way or another, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. Jesus is in there somewhere, right? Sometimes it's in poetry, sometimes it's in prophecy, sometimes it's in historical fact. It is so prevalent that many scholars uh, often say that as you search through the Old Testament, through and through, you will find that Jesus is concealed there. And when you get to the New Testament, Jesus is finally revealed. So, as I mentioned earlier, last summer, I, I, I went through Isaiah 9 with my small group, looking at the various titles that the prophet revealed that this Savior, this Messiah, this Jesus would embody. We just read them, right? And one of them was the mighty God. So, many of you are not old enough to remember Merv Griffin. Merv Griffin, years ago, there was the talk show host, um, Merv Griffin, Merv Griffin's show. Many of you, again, like I said, might not remember, but some of you will, because you're close to my age. He was this legendary talk show and executive producer of daytime television. He's also known for the creator of, of, of Jeopardy, and he created the Wheel of Fortune, among many other talk shows. 
He was instrumental in in in, in pioneering that particular talk television programming. Merv also hosted his own talk show called, yes, you guessed it, The Merv Griffin Show. One day he had a guest on his show who was a bodybuilder, big guy. And as he introduced the guest, the guest entered uh, stage left with a big muscular frame. The crowd went crazy with applause. The guest flexed his muscle, right, while walking to take his seat. Merv's first question took him by surprise when he asked him, so, sir, what do you use all those muscles for? <laughs> A bit puzzled, the bodybuilder simply stood up and flexed his muscle again, right? And the crowd went wild with applause. And then he sat down. Merv asked him one more time, what do you use all those muscles for? Again, with somewhat of a puzzled look on his face at this point, maybe maybe a little frustrated, the bodybuilder stood up and flexed his muscle once again to a cheering audience. Merv was undaunted and insisted a third time, Sir, what do you use those muscles for? At this point, the bodybuilder was stumped and had no answer. All he could do was sit there and look bewildered responding nothing to Merv's constant questioning. Let me let me let you tell you this. Pro tip for those of you who talk to people a lot, this is not recommended for you to uh, badger your guests when you are sure they don't have the right answer. You see, the man from all appearances seemingly had a lot of power, but he didn't even realize the power and apparently there was no apparent purpose to his bodybuilding other than to build up his body. For us, though, we need a power that is beyond ourselves. And we need that power to do something useful and helpful, not only for ourselves, but also for others. Some people do not have any idea. They do not have a, a concept, the first concept of how completely dependent we are on a power that is outside of ourselves. Let me give you an example. There's a story of a 747 jet that was halfway across the Atlantic when, when the captain got on the PA system and said, attention passengers, we've lost one of our engines, but no need to worry. We can certainly reach London with the three remaining engines we have. Unfortunately, as a result, we will arrive an hour later than planned. A little later into the flight, captain got back on the PA and said, uh, attention passengers, we're sorry, but we did lose power in another engine. Still, no need to worry. We can travel to our destination with the two remaining engines. However, I'm afraid that we will now arrive two hours later than planned. And again, a little later, shortly thereafter, uh, the passengers heard the captain's voice come on again saying, uh, guess what, folks? <laughs> We've just lost a third engine. But please be assured we can fly only with one engine to our destination. Unfortunately, we will arrive in London three hours later than planned. <laughs> At this point, one bewildered passenger came up to the front and said, for Pete's sake, he shouted. If we lose another engine, we're going to be up here all night. <laughs> not not realizing uh, what he is saying. In this humorous illustration, it's apparent that the poor guy didn't really understand how dependent we are on things outside of ourselves. 
And if we think about it, for more than just a few minutes, we're doing this all the time. We're dependent on power that comes from somewhere else. And we don't realize that. Let's take our homes. We have electricity flowing into our homes silently. Our places of work, our public buildings. Flowing unhindered. All we have to do is turn a switch on and there you have power in your home. We have the sun that God gives us. It's light and it's warmth. Flows to us every day unhindered. And even when there's clouds in the sky, the sun didn't, the sun didn't go out. It's still there. The oxygen in our lungs, we take it for granted. It's easy for us to take these gifts granted to us free of charge. At least the sun is. At least for now. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but but the power that we truly need is that power that comes from the mighty God, right? The power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us this power to save us, this power to keep us, to satisfy us, and our every need, right? Jesus is that mighty God. The Holy Spirit is that mighty God inside of you that prompts you to do this and not that. To say this and not that. To go here and not there. Have you ever been someplace and someone says something and you feel a, a tugging of the Holy Spirit in your heart? And it's if the Lord was saying, uh, this is not for you, my friend. Or maybe you're out with friends and all of a sudden the, the mood changes and the attitude changes and the language changes and your your spirit tugs at you saying, hey now, maybe it's time for you to leave. Anybody? Just me? I know when I was in corporate all the time, we would go to corporate meetings and they would have get togethers at bars or restaurants and and he would often get out of hand and the Lord would say, you know, this is this is not the language that we want you to be hearing all the time. Amen. Right? He, he has a deliberate plan for our life. It's not simply for the purpose of flexing his muscle only and not do anything with it. The power of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the power that can meet our every need. Every need. Remember, he is the mighty God. Let me define that. The Hebrew term for mighty is translated into the word champion or hero. And the champion is the one left standing after the conflict is over, right? The champion is the one who still stands when all others have fallen or have failed. Or a hero is the one who gains the respect of the people because of his exploits. And this, of course, is a, a beautiful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our champion. He fits the definition to a T. With this understanding of the title, we also need to consider how the mighty God displays his power. First, he is the mighty God over all of the events that occur in our lives. Everything that happens to us, it is by permission of the Lord Almighty. He knows about it, and he can stop it if he wants. Oftentimes, he doesn't. In this day, things look pretty bleak for Israel and Judah. 
the territory of Judah in particular was in collapse morally, uh, politically and nationally. Yet God revealed to Isaiah the prophet that he was still on the throne. He was at work both in their history, bringing them out of uh, a time of, of great sorrow and that he would bring about his perfect will in their lives. He would rescue a remnant and bring them back from captivity and from the brink of defeat. And God would proclaim and deliver victory in their lives. We see this throughout the Bible, all through scripture. There, are, There's God delivering people from the brink of defeat. We, we remember the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. God delivers them from that. We remember Daniel in the lion's den. God delivers him from that. Mordecai from Haman's gallows. God delivers him from that. God is a God of deliverance. He's a God that works in the events of our lives, whether it's a major event or a minor event. Even if we cannot see it or understand it, our mighty God, our champion, is a champion of history and the champion of the events in our lives. And he has proven that again and again through the ages. He's not simply a mighty God. He is the mighty God. After the resurrection of Jesus, you may recall in the scripture, uh, the authorities, the Pharisees, those in charge, tried desperately to stop the preaching of the gospel. You remember they were saying, I don't care what you all do, just don't preach in the name of Jesus. Right? But by this time, it was hopeless. The people were following Jesus in droves. And Jesus' followers increased rapidly and the gospel began to be proclaimed everywhere. So, so with their armies, their prisons, their torture chambers, their gallows, they still failed to stop the spread of the gospel. They began throwing Christians to the lions uh, in all kinds of desperate situations, beheading them, burning them, boiling them in oil. The gospel continued to be spread. This only increased the interest of the people, as a matter of fact, in what Jesus Christ was doing. So God was a God of their history then. He is the God of history now. Amen. And he's the God of the future. The God of every future to come. This is the God we serve. This is the God we serve. This is the God we serve. And I want to believe that, you know, he is still working out a plan for your life. If you have any question in your mind turn to the Lord and I know you say you pray but turn your face to the Lord like we do in in the morning sometimes we, we, we spend a half hour sometimes a whole hour talking to the Lord so he is a God over the events of our life he's a mighty God over the events now he's also delivering us from our enemies if you were to look at the birth of Jesus Christ, if you were to see how they sought to kill him, but he escaped. They they tried to tempt him to, uh, to make a mistake, but he overcame every temptation of the devil. If you were to look at his life, his dealings with the Pharisees, he healed the sick, even on the Sabbath day, which was forbidden. But his teachings astounded the Pharisees. 
And all of these reveal that his mighty power was working on his behalf. Now, now, when you get to the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Bible says that the grave couldn't hold him. His mighty power overcame even the grave, even the enemy of death. He overcame and he remains our mighty champion today. So do you have an enemy in your life that you need to deal with? I recommend that you seek the help of Jesus Christ. Next, he's the mighty God over all evil. Not some evil, all evil. In the beginning, the Bible says he created all things. And when he was done, he said, that's pretty good right there. But then the devil tempted Eve and she succumbed and sinned. And then sin threatened to change what God had made and called good into that which would be evil. But remember, God is greater than Satan and God is greater than sin. If we look at the example of Joseph, remember how his brothers sold him into slavery, which is an evil thing to do. Yet some years later, Joseph rose to become the prime minister, the second highest position in all of Egypt. That was something to behold, right? When his brothers had to face him, they were understandably fearful because they knew that Joseph had the power to execute them on the spot. But Joseph said to his brothers, what you all meant for evil, God meant it for good. And in that particular instance, we see what Paul was writing in Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. In other words, God had the power to transform evil into good. Jesus came into an evil world, but evil couldn't corrupt him. He was pure. He remained pure. The Bible says in him was no guile, no deceit, no, no wicked thoughts, no evil intentions, no, no sinful deeds. He overcame evil with his righteous life, with his mighty power. It is that purity of power that he offers to us who would come to him by faith, trusting in him as Savior and Lord. Next, salvation is found in the realization of his mighty power in our personal lives. At that moment when you realize who he really is, you know now that his power is available to you. Colossians 2.12 says, we are buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who, who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespass and sin, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us. The Bible says, and he has taken it out of the way and have nailed it to the cross. Amen. Amen. A person experiences the mighty power of God when he or she comes to Christ in true and honest repentance. Listen to me on this. When you bow your heads in your heart, or, or maybe you fall to your knees, or in your seat, or in your bed, you ask the Lord to forgive you of all your sins, every sin, known and unknown sins, sins of commission and sins of omission, 
sins of the flesh and lust of the heart, pride of life. When, when you truly believe in Christ for your salvation, when you accept his word as truth and you commit your life to him, when, when you ask for forgiveness, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Amen. And when you decide in your heart to turn away from your former life. Amen. When you are obedient to water baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus. In that instant, all the laws that have uh, were against you, that, that you have transgressed. The Bible says it's utterly wiped clean from your record. Jesus nailed it to the cross. So those of us who believe upon him. The Bible says, though you were dead, they now can truly live. Yet shall you live, the Bible says. This is the greatest miracle that God has ever performed. It's not turning water into wine or feeding other 5,000. The greatest miracle is the saving of a soul. Thinking of it, God takes a, a corrupted soul full of sin, full of evil, and he turns that soul that evil thing into a thing of beauty. Remember where you were when God found you? The things that you used to do and think and, and carry on with? Paul writes it like this in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. And such were some of you. But look at you now. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The word justified there means that he has taken you and made you righteous in him. And only the Spirit of our God can do that. The Lord cleanses the individual and places his spirit inside of them. The mighty God inside of you. The mighty God inside of you. No wonder the songwriter wrote, he saves me from every sin and harm, secures my soul each day. I'm leaning strong on his mighty arm. I know he'll guide me all the way. Saved by his power divine, saved to a new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved, saved. He did this all for you and me. He didn't have to do it, but he did Next, there's strength in the can't realization. Hear you, Brother Dixon. We can't hear you, Brother I'm, Dixon. Hello? I'm sorry, say again. All right. Next, there's strength in the realization of his mighty power. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, 8, and 9. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Uh, the first time I heard this verse of scripture, I was at a conference and the Stone King was preaching. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And he said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Not Cast down, but not destroyed. Amen. This is what the Lord is doing in us. This is the greatest miracle of all time. And it is done by the mighty God in each of our lives, according, tailored, tailored to your particular situation. So much so that Paul says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through him. Who strengthens me. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Again, in, in Colossians 1, Paul confessed that he labored with all his energy to the point of exhaustion, the Amplified Bible says, through the mighty power of God working in him. In other words, he was confessing that everything that he had done was only through the power of God. Amen. All the churches he had started, all the executions he had avoided, right? All the beatings he had taken. Right. <laughs> was done through the power of God. And so, yeah, we we put forth our feeble effort in faith that he will use it, work with it, and through it to do a mighty work. And wow, does he ever. To see this power up close and personal, uh, there are so many scriptures in the Bible that I can refer to. Uh, we meet a judge by the name of Shamgar in Judges 3.31. It's one sentence, as a matter of fact, kind of reference. When the Lord used him mightily with a, with a simple stick, it's called an ox goad, uh, with, with a, uh, I guess, a nail or something at the end of it. It's a wooden spur in the hand of a mighty man of God. The Bible says... Shamgar used it to slay, to kill 600 of God's enemies. And here's how the scripture uh, re uh, reveals it. It says um, in verse 31, And after him, Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew the Philistines, 600 men with an ox goad, and he delivered Israel. Little is much when God is in it. You can take a simple stick and kill 600 people. Yes. <laughs> When God is in it, the power becomes mighty. Uh, and what you thought was small is exploded in God's hand. David experienced this with Goliath. You remember? Little sling, mighty giant, placed in God's hand. That sling with a stone slew a giant. The little boy with his lunch... Five loaves, two fishes, right? Mm -hmm. when, when he placed it in the hand of Jesus, the Bible says it fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Mm -hmm. The work is not yet mighty until it's in the hands right. of God. We, 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 we have more than we think we have, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We have the mighty God inside of us. Oh my God, I wish you could get this. Inside, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the power of the creator in you. The one who said, let there be, and the stars hung in their place. Galaxies were formed. You have that power in you. You have that power. You can summon that power, believe it or not. You can. Read the scriptures. You can summon that power of God. Because God is in you. The Bible says that at one time, the power of God was, was so powerful in the apostles that even their shadows healed the sick. Amen. And this was not, this was not a joke. It was, it, it's in the scripture for us to read. Take what little you have. Give it to God. And stand back and be amazed. What God will do with it. Little much oh. 
when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. Uh, there is a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. We, we, we want to minimize sometimes what God is doing. But let's face it. Whatever we put in the hands of God, the, 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 the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless. His mighty power can take our little thing, he mix it with his thing, and before you know it, people are being saved. Lives are being changed. Marriages are being put back together. Jobs are being found. Oh my. Take what little you have and mix it with what God has. And before you know it, the explosion can happen. Speaking of explosion, right? Um, gasoline. The gasoline that you put in your car, or as we use, we use gasoline and kerosene back in Jamaica for light, right? You can take, <laughs> you can take a gallon of gasoline, right? And you can light a match and drop it in the, in the, in the gasoline container and it will explode. It will unleash, unleash its power. And we can see that power manifested. However, you can harness that power of the gasoline and you can filter it through a gas filter and run it into a fuel injection engine of a car. And that automobile can give you a controlled burn when you harness that gasoline and you can get 35, 40, in some cases, 45 miles of travel through that same gallon of gasoline. It's all how you use that power. Are you going to unleash it in a mighty explosion or are you going to harness it and allow the power of God to flow through you to others? We need to think about when, when we came to God and God saved us, we, we need to think about what God, if you haven't thought about this, ask the Lord, what, what does he want you to do? Uh, in my in my capacity as uh, as as one of the pastors at First Church responsible for connections, people come to me all the time and say, Pastor Don, what can I do in the ministry? What what can I? How can I serve? The Holy Spirit inside of you can provide that guidance and direction. On the day of Pentecost, we saw the explosive power of the Holy Spirit. It was evident immediately. People spoke in languages that they hadn't learned. But then they began to harness it. They began to harness it. Think about that. And they realized that this is special, right? This was that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That in the last day, saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And they realized that what the Lord Jesus had told them is now coming through. And so they began to harness it in a controlled, continuing, counseling way, the power of the Holy Spirit inside of the lives of, of these apostles is what took them to such great heights in their generation. As they continued to be filled every day with the Holy Spirit, they, the Lord began to reveal His mighty power in them and through them. So much so that if you read Acts 17, verse 6, the Bible says that they who had turned the world upside down has now come to us. It was so obvious 
that what God was doing with them was evident to all who was in their sphere of influence. I hope the same for you. Uh, I hope that the Lord is working on something special for you and that the power of God that is inside of you will be revealed in a mighty way that you can now witness to your unsaved relative. You can witness to your spouse even. You can teach a Bible study in your neighborhood, on in your building. That the power of God can be harnessed. And instead of exploding like a match in the gasoline can, you harness it and you can go for miles and miles and miles. And, and they would be able to say of you that they who have turned the world upside down have come to my block. Amen. I hope this ministers to you because it did minister to me when I was preparing it. There's something that God wants to do. And all we have to do is make ourselves available to him. I hope this blesses you tonight. I hope someone gets something out of this teaching tonight and, and that your life is changed. And somehow God can, that God can harness his power in you and use it for his glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.